Welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 34. I'm your host, Chris Romarez. Thank you so much for joining me again. It's it, baby. The NHL season has officially arrived. The last time we spoke, there was no hockey. This time, there is hockey. And it's been a really, really interesting first week of the season. Like I said, glad to have you all in here. Thanks for joining me again. Let's go through some of the housekeeping. As always, if you haven't already, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Slapshot Podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at FuzzyChris91. If you have stumbled onto this podcast and you want to continue to listen to episodes in the future, why don't you go ahead and either subscribe to the podcast on Podbean. It's on Apple Podcasts, it's on Spotify, it's on Stitcher, it's on the YouTube channel. Head over to the YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification so you never miss when a new episode is dropped live. All right, let's, man, what a week it's been for the NHL, man. It's back, it's happening, it's been a massively crazy first week of the NHL season. We're going to dig into my favorite parts of the NHL season. We're going to talk a little bit about from a fantasy perspective, from a DFS perspective, just from a regular fan perspective as well. Cause like there's a lot of things going on and I'm excited about it. So let's start with things that have been relatively nice. And obviously we're going to start with the Montreal Canadians here, specifically how well this team has played to start. Now it's nice for once to see the Montreal Canadians doing well, and Carey Price is not the reason it's happening. In fact, Carey Price has kind of been the reason it's, you know, he hasn't been, it hasn't been going well for him to start the season. And that, look, that's fine. Because for once, Montreal's offense is picking up Carey Price. Okay? He's got one win, two losses in overtime. He's got a 350 goals against average and an 887 save percentage. Now, does that say much? It says what it does, right? But here's the part that I enjoy. Jake Allen has come in. He's got a 201 goals against average, a 907 save percentage. So Jake Allen, who needed to come in. The Montreal Canadiens needed a backup goalie. And they got one. He's got two wins. So that's already better than whatever they did last season. So that's a good point here. And the Montreal Canadiens are just, like, they're win. They, they are one of only two teams left that do not have a regulation win. Las Vegas is the only other team. Also, right, there's a bunch of players, obviously, that are tied for the league lead in, in, in points. But I did not. Tyler Toffoli has been on an absolute tear, right? So the last, if, if he could play Vancouver for the rest of his career, he probably scores 82 goals, right? But Tyler Toffoli has seven points to start the season. Jeff Petrie has seven points to start the season. That Those players are tied with Nathan McKinnon, Bo Horvat, Kevin Hayes, Mark Stone, Kyle Connor for the league lead. In points. Now, again, it's early in the season. I know things can fall apart quickly. I know. But so far, that is an excellent start. The Montreal Canadiens are off to it as well. I've I've really enjoyed some of their games going through there. And just, I guess, maybe now we can consider the Montreal Canadiens a really, you know, a good team. Maybe they're just not this team that relies on their goaltending and, you know, to win two games here and there and kind of squeak their way in. They're doing what they need to do. They're getting it done. They are the top team in the Scotia North Division. That's right. Some people had the Montreal Canadiens missing the playoffs. I was not one of them. I think it balances out here for a moment. Okay, so we're just going to chillax. But, like, let's face it. They've played their first five games on the road. 
right? They haven't played a home game. No other team in the North Division has, like every team in the North Division has played a game at home with the exception of the Montreal Canadiens. So picking up points when you are on the road is important. They've also scored 24 goals. No team in the North Division has scored 24 goals. Actually, here's here's the fun part, okay? No team in the NHL right now has scored more than 20 goals. The Philadelphia Flyers are the closest. They got 19. Now, again, the Montreal Canadiens played the Vancouver Canucks. The Vancouver Canucks are a very bad defensive hockey team. They are putrid, and it's not going to get better for Vancouver, okay? It's not. Alexander Edler, we don't know how much time he's going to miss. Uh, Travis Hamonick is out as well. We don't know how much time he's going to miss. Braden Holpe is a trash can. We already know this. Like, this team is in trouble. They are really in trouble. They played six games so far this season, the most of any team right now in the NHL. And, like, they're 2-4, and four and they've given up 28 goals. Okay? So it's not it's not going well for them. It's not. And, again, you bring in players to do things. You brought in some goalies to try to keep up. And, like, it's not happening. Look, the Chicago Blackhawks are a really bad hockey team. Okay? They're really bad. They're giving up five goals a game. They've only played four. Vancouver, on the other side, they played six games. So, again, the sample size is not great. But it's big enough. Like, it's big enough for us to be concerned. They're giving up 4.67 goals per game. Okay, their power play is average. Their penalty kill is okay, but Vancouver's giving up 37 shots per game. Like that's too much. That is too much. In fact, only the Devils and Flyers are giving up more shots per game. Now, will that get corrected? Yes, but in Vancouver's case, if they're missing so many defensemen and they get kind of short, like Tyler Myers threw that cheap hit yesterday. If you watch that game right cheap hit on Joel Armia Armia's out with a concussion I think maybe the league comes down gives him a suspension for it at least one game kind of slap him on the wrist he had a terrible game man like he spent he had that 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 was his fourth penalty at the time before they threw him out it was I found it to be a cheap hit there's no reason to do that he's a big boy I understand that but you know Armia's not small right like he's not five foot seven and you still make contact with his head it was blindsided again there's lots of things going on here, but like the, the the Canucks are in trouble. Their goaltending is not going to be able to save them. Thatcher Demko, I thought maybe he comes in, kind of changes that. It's unlikely that it happens. And, I mean, if you were following my stuff around fantasy hockey, you knew how I felt about Braden Holpe. Like, Braden Holpe has not been good in a couple of years now, and he is still not good. And now he's on a bad defensive team that's going to get absolutely lit up every night in a very competitive North division. Like you're going to see a lot of goals out of that Canadian division a lot. And Montreal has been filling the net early. So good for them. Let's also stick around there. The Dallas stars are going to get their season off. They have yet to play a game this season because obviously COVID has been ravishing the NHL a little bit here. So the Dallas stars will get their first game of the season in here. I'm recording this on a Friday, so they're going to get it off on a Friday. Um, we've seen a lot of stuff going on recently in the NHL with COVID, right? So then we know the Philadelphia, um, not Philadelphia, the Florida Panthers have had their bout a little bit with it. Um, Tampa, right? Other teams have some players on it. The Carolina Hurricanes had games canceled due to COVID. And now the Washington Capitals, and this was a big one for them, right? So we all know that 
they're going to be missing four of their four good players, I would say, right? I guess Dimitri Orlov's a good player. Um, so Alex Ovechkin's out for the next four games. Evgeny Kuznetsov is out as well. Orlov, like I said, and Ilya Samsonov. That is four big pieces that you're missing from your lineup due to COVID. And, I mean, is it shocking that it's all Russian players? I mean, I guess they hang out. And I understand, look, the team was slapped with a $100,000 fine. And some people are saying, look, man, they're they're just in their hotel room. And it's not like they're going out somewhere. It's not like they're going to strip clubs and stuff. Like, that's fine. I understand. But these rules are in place for contact tracing to make sure. Like, players got to do it. I understand you're in your, your hotel room. Players are tested regularly. But... You got to do everything possible to make sure that you got a mask on and that you're socially distanced and that you, because like it, it goes around in the NHL. Like it's, it's moving around, right? Like that's how it is. It, if, if one player gets it right. And then you start spreading it around to the whole team, you end up being the Dallas stars, right? And the NHL can't afford to have too many teams miss too many games. It's already a shortened season. You're already playing a lot of games in a short time frame, right? Like Dallas has to make up about four, four to five games here because they've been so far back. Like they're going to have an already, they already have a condensed schedule and it's going to get even more condensed, right? So I'm okay with the NHL slapping their fine down. I'm okay with the NHL saying, look, if Peter Laviolette came out and said, hey, we got to do better. Now, Alex Ovechkin's wife on Instagram didn't really agree with it. She had a bold statement out there. She's basically just confirmed that, Right, her husband Ovechkin and Dmitry Orlov already have antibodies in their body, which means they've already contracted coronavirus from somewhere. Now, cool. Thanks for that information, Ovi's wife. But still, I like I know people are gonna be and again, depending on whatever your opinion is, that's fine. To me, let the NHL continue to say, hey, we're not gonna tolerate this. We're not gonna do it. This is our stance and we're gonna treat it fairly. Or we're gonna slap you with a fine. And those fines add up. Like, think about it. You can drill somebody's head into the board from behind, right? Or you can take a slash and try to chop some guy's arm off. And Lee's going to be like, here's a $2,500 fine. Are you going to pay that cash or check, sir? And yet here for not respecting the protocols that are in place, the NHL slaps the team with $100,000 off. That's a big fine for an owner to pay. Like, it's not chump change. I know teams make money, but in a COVID-shortened season where teams, some teams have no fans in attendance... And you got to start dishing out $100,000 fines. Like, again, it's cool. I'm fine with it. Let the NHL do what they need to do. For fantasy owners, this is tough because you can't replace Ovechkin. You can't replace those goals, right? It's not Tom Wilson who's coming up. Who's, by the way, he's had a pretty good start to his season. So if you're in a fantasy hockey league where you got Tom Wilson on your team, I mean, you shouldn't, but you need to trade him ASAP to some owner who thinks this guy's legit because he won't be, by the way. We already know that, right? So get on that. But my stance here is good for the league stepping up. Now they got to be consistent. If they find other teams doing the same thing, slap them with it, right? Let's go. Um, what else are we looking at here? Let's go through some teams that have kind of been a little bit disappointed. I'm going to start with the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Penguins have been an absolute dumpster fire to start the season. And that's sad because I was, I was high on Tristan Jerry. I liked him, right? If you read my draft kit over at the Fantasy Alarm, you know how I feel about Tristan Jerry. You know my love affair with Carter Hart by now. But I was really high on Tristan Jerry. I think he was good. And the Pittsburgh Penguins so far, 
right? They played four games. They have a two and two record. They're scoring goals, 325 goals per game. That's fine. They're giving up four and a half goals per game, okay? Which you say is a lot. Sure. They are also giving up only 24 shots per game. That is tied with the Bruins for the least amount of shots against in the league. So you're giving up the third least amount of shots per game, but you're giving up the third highest goals per game. Like something doesn't work there. And goaltending has been an issue. It's been an issue. Maybe the Pittsburgh Penguins are not as good defensively as we think. Maybe the pieces that they've lost and the Horkvist being out, maybe this has changed. Maybe we're starting to see them catch up to other good teams. They're in a really tough division. Like they had to play the Philadelphia Flyers here. They played Washington. These are good teams who can score goals. And on the outside looking in here, like I'm I'm really worried about the Pittsburgh Penguins to start cuz again, this is a very unforgiving division. It's unforgiving. You cannot fall behind here. And I mean, it's it's absolutely putrid. Casey DeSmith has two wins. But he's got a 276 goals against Saturday and an 871 save percentage. Like, that's not going to cut it, bud. And then Jerry, who you basically say, okay, well, we'll move Matt Murray out so we can keep you. And he had a really good season last year. Well, his 727 save percentage and his 7.57 goals against average. Like, he's played 71 minutes and he's just given up goals. He's given up nine goals on 33 shots. That's an un... Like, that's too much, man. The Penguins are in trouble here. If they don't sort their goaltending out, right? They they need to figure that out and they need to figure it out like like yesterday. Okay. Because if they keep going in this division and they start losing games, like you don't want to have to play catch up hockey at the end of the year. We always say winning games at the beginning of the season a lot easier than trying to win them at the end of the season. And right now the Penguins are just they're not they're winning, they're they're sliding. But now they're gonna start, right? They they, they gotta face some good teams, and we know that they you know, they've had problems staying healthy. And this is a good top six, right? Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, Jason Zucker, Evgeny Malkin, Brian, you know, Brian Rust, because Perry Kapan is back in the lineup, right? This is a good team. They should be able to to do stuff. And I think what it comes down to, and I, I know I'm good, and this has been this has been a problem. I wouldn't say, I mean, not a problem, but it's it's what we've come accustomed to knowing Evgeny Malkin for. Like Malkin has been invisible, invisible in the first four games. Okay. He's got one goal in four games. He's a minus three if you care about that stat. And he's got 10 shots. In four games, 10 shots. Like you need Gino to be good. Okay. You need him to be good. He's not missing ice time, right? He's playing a lot of shifts, he's taking shots, but. Like he's, and that's the problem when you draft Evgeny Malkin. You, Evgeny Malkin's a point per game player. Okay, let's let's understand that he's basically been for his entire career, right? I think there's, I think if I'm not mistaken, there must have been one season where he didn't hit it, and I don't know if it was. I think it was here. Let me pull it up here. I want to make sure I got that right. I think there's only one season where he didn't hit it, and if not, he's got other that are close. Yeah, here it is. So 2010, 2011, he played. 43 games, and he only had 37 points. I don't know if it was hurt, lockout year. You know, injuries have been a thing with Malkin sometimes. But that's the only season he has not been a point-per-game player. He is a point-per-game player in his career, right? He's, he's He's got 417 career goals. He knows how to get this done. He's been invisible. I don't see him. I see Sydney. 
which is fine. I see Gensel, which is fine. But in order for the Penguins to have any kind of success, you need Jason Zucker, you need Evgeny Malkin, and you need Brian Russ to do things. And you need them to do them those things yesterday. Because your bottom six is not going to get it done, right? If Brandon Tanev is third on your team in points, tied for third, right? With Mark Jankowski, Teddy Bulger, and Brian Russ. Like, there's a problem there when they're at, when they have more points than Malkin and the gang. It's not okay. Now, again, you know, Cody Cece's part of that defense. There's a lot of things going on. They're already out. Michael Matheson, right? Marcus Pedersen is out. Yusel Ricola is out. Like, the Penguins are starting to deal with injuries, and it's coming from the back end. And if their goaltenders can't figure it out, and you're losing defensemen, oh, baby. Again, in an unforgiving division that is the Mass Mutual East Division, or the East, if you just want to make it simple, like, you can't. You can't be doing that. They got two wins at home. They got two wins, two losses away. And, I mean, look at the New York Rangers. New York Rangers off to, again, another team off to a terrible start here. Boston's kind of been able to get by here. They've just been able to get by. And this is coming from a team that finally scored some goals five-on-five because going into yesterday's game, they hadn't scored a five-on-five goal in three games. They had one shorthanded, two power play goals. Uh, The New Jersey Devils, Devils' surprise team here. They're at five, right? They're fourth in this division. They're, They're making a push now, right? Mackenzie Blackwood has COVID. He's on the COVID protocol list. So that's kind of a tough spot for him. We'll see how that changes, but... Surprise here as well. The Washington Capitals don't have a regulation loss. Same thing, 2-0-2. Surprise team here. I think they're doing enough. Now, how does this affect them with all, you know, with all that's going on with COVID for four games? I don't know. If they can go 2-2 two and two in those four games without any of their studs, man, that's a win and a half here. That is a win and a half if they can do that. No shock, the Islanders are second. That's the team I had making the playoffs. And, oh, look at that. The Philadelphia Flyers sit atop the division. Sounds about right to me. Speaking of the Islanders, man, the Islanders are such a good defensive team. They're really, really good. And Semyon Varlamov has probably been one of the better goalies here. And again, this is a credit to Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz is a goalie whisperer, or at least I think he is. Now, Ilya Sorokin's a rookie. He's played one game. Let's give him some time to figure out. But Varlamov in his three games so far, he's given up one goal. In three games. That's correct. He's got two shutouts, a nine, a 0.988 save percentage, a 0.33 goals against average. Now, obviously, some regression is going to come here. He's going to pace out. Okay. But what Varlamov's been able to do in that division is remarkable. I think Simeon Varlamov can finish as a top five fantasy hockey goalie this season. I'm I'm legit. I would buy that. I think Sorokin maybe isn't going to dig into as many starts as people think he will. He was going quite high in a lot of fantasy hockey drafts. Varlamov is here. If you're a fantasy owner of Varlamov and maybe you're not buying my my hot take there, then you can definitely sell high on him and probably get, you know, some good value on him. That's like that's fine if that's the route you want to go. Right? You can live with that. But man, I think he is legit. I really do. And again, it's surprising that it's coming from this, this division that is just so good. Like I, I thought there'd be goals of galore, and it's not as many as I thought. 
The North Division's been an absolute barn burner, right? And I expect that to continue here. I really do. I expect that to continue to go through. Let's go around the divisions while we're at it here, right? In the West Conference, you got the Vegas Golden Knights at top there. No real shock to anybody. Minnesota is second. Very nice here. St. Louis is third. Colorado is fourth. You got Los Angeles, San Jose, Arizona, and Anaheim. Now, no real shock here. I think that's how it plays out. I think some of those teams are going to shift around a little bit. Um, I mean, it's nice to see Minnesota doing well. Minnesota, the problem for Minnesota is going to be goal scoring, right? Like, they don't score enough goals. So, they got to be good defensively. And so far, they have, right? Vegas in that division's only given up seven goals in four games. Minnesota's only given up nine and four, which is very respectable. Very, very respectable, right? That division's kind of been tight. No problem there. The really the central division is the only one that's just kind of going to be there for a little bit. And the reason this one is kind of different is because this is the division with so many teams being affected by COVID, right? So the Dallas Stars haven't played a game this season, and Columbus has played five already, right? Um, Chicago is an absolute man. I was I've watched Chicago play. I've watched them play three of their four games here because I wanted to see what Chicago was like because I had some stock invested in right in Dylan Strome and. I just wanted to see what was going to happen. And this team without Jonathan Taves, this team without um, you know, some of the players that they're missing there, they don't have a number one goalie, man. Who knows who they're starting now? Like it's it's really it's really not good for Chicago. They look terrible. Okay. Malcolm Subban is there. Who knows? Like he's not a number one goalie. They're starting Kevin Lankinen tonight against Detroit. Like Okay, like I had to look him up to be like, hey, who are you, kid? Okay, they've given up 20 goals in four games. Like there's, they are really, really bad at playing hockey. I honestly think Chicago could be worse than the Detroit Red Wings were last season. They are winless, by the way, on the season. They have zero wins. No other team in the NHL has zero wins, with the exception, again, Dallas is going to play a game. So we'll give them the benefit of doubt. They have zero wins. They've given up 20 goals. They've only scored nine. Now, you know, Detroit's only scored nine too, but I wasn't expecting Detroit to be any good. Carolina's only scored nine, but they've also only played three games because COVID. Florida, the same thing. Tampa Bay is at the top. This is the division with the least amount of games played. Tampa Bay's top, Florida second, Nashville, Carolina 3-4. Who knows? Honestly, I think the Discover Central Division is just one that's going to be up in the air here, and we're never going to really know how it's going to go. It's going to be there. Man, I don't know. I'm just saying, I th- like the Detroit Red Wings were a bad team last season, and this Chicago team could be that bad or worse, and that is like that's scary, man. That is really scary. They are a dumpster fire. If you are playing Daily Fantasy... Just, I mean, they're in action against Detroit tonight. I know it's it's something, right? Stacking Detroit's never a great idea. But, man, Chicago is just bad. They are absolutely bad. From a fantasy perspective, I mean, Alex DeBrincat and Patrick Kane are going to get every opportunity to score goals because they're going to be losing by three after one most nights. But it's not pretty. It's not pretty. It's not close. And just to put that into perspective, they have nine goals for 
20 against. That's a minus 11, right? We talked about Vancouver earlier. They played six games. They've scored 18 goals, given up 28. That's a minus 10 differential. Like, that's how bad. Vancouver's on a on a goal differential that's on pace with what Chicago's doing. And Chicago has nothing, right? They have nothing. Vancouver has scored goals. They got 18. It was absolutely, absolutely crazy between Montreal and Vancouver. That game one was. That game two was as well. Like, I wasn't expecting Montreal to put up a field goal in goals. <laughs> oh, uh, like, I'm going to be real here. Like, I'm going to be straight, right? <laughs> I was not expecting that. And here we are. So that, there we go through the tour of the division. Some teams that I like, some teams that I don't like. Again, it's been a really, you know, it's been really fun. I'm just happy to have hockey back. I'm going to be real. That's it. I, and I know a lot of you are probably the same thing. Let's finish off with the main topic that I want to talk about here in the podcast. And you've probably heard a lot about it and you kind of can't hear it like or tune it out because it's just being talked about. And that's the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation happening in Columbus. If you've been living under a rock and you have no idea what's happened. So Pierre-Luc Dubois basically told the team, told everybody, he says, hey, I, I, I want out of Columbus. I'm not going to really tell anybody why, right? We don't know why he wants out. He's addressed it with the team. John Tortorella's addressed it with him like, He's told them a little bit. And even then, I don't buy that. I don't think he's really told the team what his actual feelings are, right? And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, well, maybe it has to do something with playing for John Tortorella because John Tortorella is not the easiest coach to play for. Maybe he doesn't like the city of Columbus, which again, that's fine as well. Maybe he wants to play in a bigger market. Maybe, I don't know what he wants. I don't know what his reasons are. But I'll tell you this. Obviously, the Montreal Canadiens are on a short list of teams that he wants to be on, which is nice. It's nice for a Quebecois to want to come home and play in Montreal. Now, Columbus isn't just going to trade him and say, okay, well, that's where you want to go, Montreal. Give me something. Like, Columbus wants a now player and some picks and some prospects or something. Like, they, they want a package. Like, Pierre-Luc Dubois, by the way, the third overall pick in 2016, he's 22 years old. Like, he hasn't even hit his prime, Okay. He already has a 60-point season under his belt, which is all right. He's got two 48, 49-point seasons. He's a two-time 20-goal scorer, one-time 27-goal scorer back in 2018, 2019. To say he's off to a struggling start this season is an understatement. He's played five games, or at least he's been dressed for five. I mean, he's got one point, right? Now, he made headlines yesterday, or whenever you listen to this, actually, Thursday. Because he was benched. He played seven minutes in the first period, and that was it. He didn't play the second, didn't play the third, didn't play overtime. John Tortorella just basically stapled into the bench. And if you're on Twitter, you kind of got to look as to what Pierre-Luc Dubois' last shift was. And look, you can criticize John Tortorella all you want, but you need to watch that shift as an ISO camp. So where the camp just focuses is on his entire shift. Like... Like Pierre-Luc Dubois is an NHL player, okay? But his effort on that last shift was my effort in my Sunday league when we play at 1045 at night and we're losing by four goals in the third period, okay? Like that's how bad it was. He didn't care. He looked lost in that shift. His forecheck was nothing. And I counted. It took him about almost nine seconds to leave the offensive zone and get back to his bench for a change. Like, he didn't care. That was his last shift. So I can only imagine John Tortorella, who now has to deal with a player who says, hey, I don't want to be here. Maybe he's been honest with him, but I'm not. I'm going to say he hasn't. 
He doesn't look engaged. You still got a team to run, by the way. He's trying to make the playoffs. What do you do with that player after watching that shift? Well, you sit him to the bench and say, hey, look, kid, you don't want to play. That's fine. Sit here. And that's it. And he was. And, you know, he Dubois didn't look too pissed off. He just sat there and said, okay, that's a message. Tortorella did say, hey, it was based on the first five games. Sure, but maybe the boiling point was whatever happened at that last that last shift. It was bad. I'm just like, it's going to be bad. And I know a lot of people are going to criticize John Tortorella and say, oh, look, man, he doesn't get along with kids. He doesn't, like, I just want to go through here. Let's go through Columbus's lineup for you, for those of you who have no idea who the Columbus Blue Jacks are. Like, they have some young players on this team, right? Right? They do. They got the Oliver Bjorkstrands, right? I know it's been a tough start for Max Domi, but, you know, Alexander Texier is there. Liam Foodie's there, right? Mikel Gregorenko trying to research his career. They got veterans as well. Zach Wierenski, Seth Jones. This is a good hockey team. They're they're well coached, okay? You can say what you want about John Tortorella. John Tortorella's won Stanley Cups, and he's taken the Columbus Blue Jackets to the playoffs, okay? He did it last season when that team fell apart due to injuries. So... As much as you want to criticize him, or you say, "Look, he's not a coach," you know, he, he's not a player's coach. He he gives you as much as you give him, and Dubois given him nothing. He's given him no reason to play him. And Tortorella was honest about that. You're going to get honest Tortorella every time. He said, "Hey, talk to the player about it," which is true. The player has to earn what he you know his ice time, and he didn't. He did not earn anything at that point. He has earned nothing in the first five seasons. Now. I know the team has said we're trying not to make this a distraction. This is a distraction, okay? Because that's all we're talking about. And every day, John Tortorella is going to have to answer the question. And every day, somebody's going to get in Pierre-Luc Dubois' face and say, like, hey, why don't you want to be here, bud? And it's going to weigh around the team, and it's going to be a problem. Now, does Jarmo Kakalainen turn around and just dump him off for nothing? No, you can't do that. Because even if you did want to trade him to Montreal, first of all, right, if you're around Twitter enough, you'll see that the conversation is around something that involves Nick Suzuki, plus a pick or a prospect. Now, straight up, am I trading Pierre-Luc Dubois for Nick Suzuki 1v1? No. And don't even at me about it. I'm not making that trade. Nick Suzuki has a bunch of skill, okay? A bunch of skill. I don't want to hear this garbage about, yeah, I know Pierre-Luc Dubois is a big body. He's 6'3", 218. He's a big boy. Okay. But we also drafted a big boy. Remember, you know, Yasperi Kotkaniemi? Remember that big centerman that we used the third overall pick for? And you're already trying to toss his name into trade rumors and saying, fine, would you trade Dubois for Kotkaniemi? I think so. But what are the other pieces going away? You see all these names throwing out Victor Mete and a couple. Like, let's be real here. Columbus is going to look at Victor Mete and be like, this guy's not even in your lineup, bro. Like, why am I going to trade for a young defensive defenseman who's going to score a couple of goals maybe and, you know, who's going to pair well? Like, Mete, again, nothing against Mete. He's a great defenseman. He went from playing top-line minutes with Shea Weber to now being the guy who sits in the press box on the taxi squad. So, again, I know I know the conversation is around Nick Suzuki and trying to get him in. I'm not trading him. I know he's 5'11", 208. I don't care. This kid had a really good first season. He had 41 points in 71 games. Pretty good. He's got five points in five games. Now, Nick Suzuki is out on the ice toe-dragging NHL players around him. He has an, a 
abundance of skill. He's a smart player. I'm not, I, I wouldn't even make the trade 1v1. And you're telling me I got to give Columbus more? Like, you have the disgruntled player. You have the problem. I'm not giving you more for him. And look, there's a lot of teams that are going to check into him. And is it possible to get this deal done? I don't know. Because you also have to move money out for Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's got a $5 million contract this year and next season before being a UFA. Like, sorry, not a UFA, RFA. He's a restricted free agent as of 2022-2023. So I have to get, I have to move other pieces out. That could be Paul Byron. That could be other names that are thrown. So I, I basically got to give you two players. I got to give you a pick. And I got to shed salary some way. Also, I can acquire one player who's, if the pressure you think in Columbus is a lot, boy. <laughs> Ask some other French-speaking Canadian players how they did in Montreal. There's a reason why they don't come home, by the way. Eh? Like, there's a reason. And the hot takes that I've been seeing on Twitter have not been good. They have been bad. Stop it. Stop it, Norma Flynn. Like, I, I don't read that stuff. You know all those blog sites that come up with these big trade off, And I'm like, man, I'm... I'm really happy you guys don't talk sport or aren't behind the wheel of this. Because we can criticize Bergevin a lot. But Bergevin's pulled off some pretty good deals. Regardless of how I feel about Philip Deneau, right? Like, he traded away Philip Deneau. The pick, by the way, that came back with Philip Deneau was Alexander Romanov. That's the pick. So, the Montreal Canadiens traded Dale Weiss and Thomas Fleischmann, remember those two? For... Philip Deneau and the pick that became Alexander Romanov. We know the deal that he made Nick Suzuki and Thomas Tatar for Max Pacioretty. And good to see Max Pacioretty doing well in Vegas. This is a trade that worked out for both teams. Right? But Thomas Tatar has been really good. Nick Suzuki is like, they just tossed him in there. They're like, hey, here, here's another pick. Like, I know he was, I don't think Vegas thought he would be as good as he's been. And he's 21. He's 21. He's still learning. Give him a shot. And you want to ship him off? For a player who's disgruntled, like he's 22 years old, Dubois 22 years old. He's playing top line minutes on a decently good team. And you want out of there? I think it's problematic that he hasn't told us why. And he, it, again, it's personal and that's fine. Keep it. Keep it to yourself. But that's something that raises up to me. You don't want to tell anybody why you don't want to be there? If I'm in a trade, if I'm going to acquire this player, I'm going to sit down with his agent and say, hey, why do you want to leave this team? Why don't you want to be there? Who's the problem? Because if you tell me it's your coach, so that means when you don't like the coach, you're just not going to play, and you're going to have shifts like that, right? Pierre Lebrun said, oh, not many teams are worried about the shift that he took. No, I don't think they are, but that's a sign. That's one shift. And if you do it once, you do it twice. Are you going to do it again? I'm not a fan of attracting players who have a problem, and Montreal is not very good with that, by the way. Huh? You saw what happened to Max Domi. Now, those are two separate players, two separate cases. But I don't know if I want to get my hands dirty here with Pierre-Luc Dubois. It would be impossible to do this trade during the regular season, A. Because, right, with quarantine and everything, if he does come into Canada, he's got to quarantine 14 days. You're already missing, what, six games in that span whenever it happens. By the time you get up to speed with the system, you can't practice. You can't, like, you're missing a lot of time in a shortened season, trying to get a trade maybe this trade happens to a u.s-based team where quarantine is not a problem because the united states doesn't really take coronavirus seriously 
but it's it's not a trade that happens during the regular season, not for Montreal at least, unless the asking price goes down, in which case you can handle whatever's happening, right, with not having him in your lineup. But short term, I don't see how they I, I don't see how this situation is fixed in Columbus. And who knows how it plays out. Because it's obvious that Dubois doesn't want to be there. He has said it, but he hasn't told us why. And yeah, maybe look, maybe it is John Tortorella. But John Tortorella's got a bunch of experience and he's a good coach. Say what you want about him. Say what you want about it. He's won Stanley Cup. He coaches teams well. They play the system that they play. He does what he has to with what he has. And if you got a player who doesn't want to get on board, I mean, look, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Pierre-Luc Dubois sit in the stands. Healthy scratch him and say, look, man, you don't want to be a part of it. Don't be a part. John's going to make his life miserable, which is where people are saying, oh, look, he's making him miserable and he's not playing well and he doesn't want to, you know, his trade value. Fine. The player's not giving him anything. Player's not giving him anything. You got to go out and win games in between, right? Win games without him. That's it. Win games without him. And then you all of a sudden, I mean, it's not going to help, but then you say, look, man, we don't need you here. You don't want to play? Fine. Sit. Sit here. Do nothing. Be pissed. What do you want to do? But this entire situation is just not good. And if, like I said, the team, the coach, the player, everybody's like, we don't want this to be a distraction. Pierre Luc Dubois said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to come in. I'm going to play while we work out a deal. Well, you're five games into the season. On game five, you didn't really stick to that, did you? So this has become a distraction for the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am very, very interested to see how this plays out. Very. But... All I'm saying is I'm not paying Nick Suzuki price tag for a player who, for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Not, no, 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 right? Bergevin's already come out and said, look, we're not giving you Romanov, so you can take that name off the table. You should take Suzuki's name off the table while you're at it. You're not getting either one. You want to talk about something else? We'll talk. But I am not trading the Suzuki plus a pick or another player plus I have to get rid of a player for salary com- compliance, for ca- salary cap compliance. I'm not doing that. Not for Pierre-Luc Dubois. My apologies to the good people of Saint-Agathe-Mont and Pierre-Luc Dubois. I'm not doing it, man. No. Not today, at least. Not until I see that he cares. And it's just too much for me. So that's that's my hot take on Pierre-Luc Dubois in that situation. And uh, yeah. Hey, that goes around the NHL here. There we go. Uh, man, much love to everybody who listens. Thank you so much. If you haven't, like I said, subscribe to the podcast. Anywhere you find podcasts, at Slapshot Podcast. Follow me on Twitter, at FuzzyChris91. The best way to keep up with the podcast, honestly, is the YouTube channel. Like, I know maybe you don't listen to podcasts on YouTube, but the YouTube channel, you can get everything there. I do my NHL DFS streams on Saturday, so if you play NHL DFS, you can watch those as well on the YouTube. Subscribe hit the bell notification. You'll get notified when I go live. Make sure you do that. And just, like I said, easily follow Slapshot Podcast. The pinned tweet is always there. You can find out where you can subscribe to the podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Stitcher. It's on Podbean. Just go into Spotify, type Slapshot Podcast, hit the subscribe, and that way you get the every episode downloaded straight to your device. You'll never miss a beat. But yeah, much love, like as always. Thank you so much for those of you who tune in. Really fills my heart with a bunch of joy. And we'll be back again soon talking NHL. Stay safe. 
Love you all. We talk soon. Bye-bye. Yeah.